This podcast is brought to you by Bet Rivers. Download the Bet Rivers app from the App Store or Google Play Store. Must be 21. Available in Ohio only. Void where prohibited. Terms and conditions apply. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Sports gaming is provided in partnership with Dayton Real Estate Ventures, LLC, DBA, Hollywood Gaming at Dayton Raceway. Let's go to the bullpen with Adam the Bull on the Bet Rivers Network. We're talking with the great Terry Francona. I know everybody poo-poos baseball fights. They're like, hey, you go out there and everybody's just talking yeah. and shoving. But when you get out there, man, those guys are big. They they get after yeah. it. And when they get after it, man, look out. It makes you a little nervous. Robin Ventura still won't talk about Nolan Ryan to, to this day. <laughs> he wants nothing with that conversation. Listen to the bullpen with Adam the Bull on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. It's the Mike Francesa Podcast on the Bet Rivers Network. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to the Mike Francesa Podcast. As we hit the Elite Eight on this Saturday morning, and we head full straight ahead towards opening day, we'll do a bunch of baseball for you and preview baseball for you, give you our thoughts as we lead up to opening day, which is now just a couple of days away and some still some things to be decided, and we'll get to those. But first, as we said, it's a... Historic Elite Eight. It's a very different Elite Eight. It's a very different year. As we get there, after another bunch of stunning upsets, as Alabama loses to San Diego State, as Miami crushes Houston. And let's stop there for a second. There's no question if you follow college basketball that Alabama and Houston were the best teams this year. You can sprinkle in a couple other teams. Kansas was good. Purdue had a good season, although we knew they didn't have the kind of talent we were talking about with the other top teams. We can go down the line, but Alabama and Houston really stood out. But they came into the tournament, and obviously there were things they had to deal with. Houston was not the same team. You want to call it injuries to a couple of key players, but if for some reason the, the first game of the tournament they played very badly. The second game they played badly in the first half and then came up with a brilliant second half. And then last night they had nothing against uh, Jimmy Laranega's Miami team. Had nothing. So they go by the boards. Alabama had to deal with all the -the off-the-field stuff, how it was handled, whether it was affecting Miller, was he getting death threats, blah, 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 would he be implicated? And... Late in the season, it didn't seem to bother him. The day it was announced, he went to South Carolina and scored 40 points. And everyone talked about how it wouldn't bother him. They rumored that he had a groin injury, but didn't seem to be the case as he hoisted up 19 shots last night. But his play was awful. Three for 19 from the floor for this player who has an incredible amount of talent but really hurt himself in this NCAA tournament. He had a miserable, almost scary bad NCAA tournament and could not have been worse, maybe played the worst game of his career in a loss last night to San Diego State. There were two goats last night. Miller was one. The other one was the Alabama head coach, who obviously has been under a lot of pressure. But why would you – and it was a strange game if you watched it. San Diego State played well. Alabama came out the second half, and when they called timeout, 
with 11 minutes left, San Diego State down nine. You thought they were just trying to hang on. As a matter of fact, they eavesdropped on that timeout. And their head coach told them, listen, you've stopped playing on both ends of the floor. You have to start playing again. You have to get back to dedicating yourself to what we do defensively and how we play. You're trying to keep up with them, and it's not working. And at that point, it looked like the game was over. And then the game changed right there as San Diego State went up with 12 straight points and wound up opening up a lead. But here came Alabama back, and then Alabama cut it to two at 66-64 with 46 seconds left. And now you say, okay, we're going to a last shot. Alabama is a big-time defensive team. One possession, and they can play for the, for the win or play for the tie. Instead, they decide to foul with one tick off the clock and put an 80% foul shooter at 66-64 with 46 seconds on the game clock. Plenty of time. Plenty of time to play a defensive possession and have a world of time to score. And they decide to foul. And put an 80% foul shooter on the line who makes both, and they never look back, San Diego State. Really puzzling strategy on a night that was extremely tough for Alabama, who were embarrassingly bad, embarrassingly bad from three in this game. As I told you, Miller scored nine points. He was three for 19 from the floor. One for 10 from three. And Alabama as a team was a just a, a mind-boggling three for 27 from three. They shot 32% for the floor, from the floor for the game, and they shot 11% from three. So they go by the boards in San Diego State. A five seed goes to the regional final, to the Elite Eight in the South against Creighton, which wore down. They had too many si- too much size and too, mu- and too many scorers. For Princeton, who gave you a wonderful first half, and then right at the beginning, right at the end of the first half, uh, Creighton, which was losing despite the fact they were shooting 65% from the floor, got the ball into Kalkbrenner, and after that, They came out in the second half. They got the ball to him uh, repeatedly. He hurt with his size inside, hurt the Princeton Tigers. And then they got some really good scoring from the perimeter and started knocking down, which they consistently did throughout the game, their threes, and opened up a lead that, Princeton couldn't recover from. So they got it to 16. It wound up being 11. Princeton can hold their head up high, but uh, it was too much offense, too much size, too much execution for uh, Creighton, which goes now to play San Diego State. So it will be the offensive prowess of Creighton, who does have size and, and can play some defense when they're in the mood. 
But San Diego State is a pure defensive team. So you have five versus six with San Diego State versus Creighton in the south. And, of course, today's games we will have the ninth-seeded Florida Atlantic against the three-seed Kansas State, led by their wonderful 5'8 point guard, Marcus Noel. And we have Miami against Texas, which Texas last night went into the game without one of their top players in Disu, but still broke the game open right before the half with those two bombs that took the game from 36-25 to 42-25 in the final two possessions of the first half, stunning, and never looked back. Texas has been consistent through this tournament. They're a two-seed, which is the highest-seeded team left in the tournament. And they will take on Miami and... Miami has played very well for Jimmy Laranega. The ACC was not that highly regarded this year. A lot of people felt Miami was banged up coming into the tournament, but they've played very well. Guard-oriented team that has played very well. And we have a habit of overlooking some guys, but everyone knows nationally what a good coach Jimmy Laranega is. Jimmy Laranega's had a wonderful basketball life. He was a star player at Providence. He then went to become an assistant under Terry uh, Holland at Davidson and then at Virginia where they went to the Final Four. He went there as an assistant. He then went and coached at a variety of spots, including George Mason, and you might remember that Jeremy Laranega back a ways, almost 20 years ago, took George Mason to the Final Four. They got clobbered in the Final Four game, but they did make the Final Four. And he has been a terrific coach at Miami where he has taken the Hurricanes to now back-to-back Elite Eights. That's rarefied air. And now he looks to take them to the Final Four for the first time. Miami and Texas will be the Midwest Final. So tomorrow you have San Diego State and Creighton. Miami and Texas. No number ones in the Elite Eight for the first time ever. It's very rare not to have a number one or multiple number ones in the final four. There, we have no number ones. We have only one, two. And then we have the showdown, UConn and Gonzaga. We had four top teams in the West, Kansas, UCLA, Gonzaga, and UConn. And it's Gonzaga against UConn in what will be a terrific game, and the winner will have a terrific chance to win a championship. Will this be the year that Gonzaga will finally go all the way? Or will UConn, which right now would get virtually everybody's vote as the most physically talented team left in this tournament and is playing so impressively, will they get past Gonzaga, get to a Final Four, and then try to flex their muscle there. So today, the first game at 6 o'clock tonight, Kansas State, Marcus Noel, Marcus Noel against Florida Atlantic. So we will either have the diminutive point guard, the third-team All-America from Manhattan, Kansas, by way of Harlem, 
in the Final Four where he will light things up and will become a darling of the country. Or we will have a Florida Atlantic team out of nowhere, which has already won 34 games this year and will be going, will be stunningly going to a Final Four. And then the second game, UConn and Gonzaga, a battle of heavyweights with two teams. There will be a lot of sentiment for Texas if they win tomorrow. But the likeliest favorite to win it all will be the team that comes out of the UConn-Gonzaga game today. So last night, I thought all four favorite teams would advance. Only two did. Creighton did. Texas did. Both did rather comfortably. And the other two lost outright. I thought that both could struggle in the kind of games they would play, but would both survive, and they didn't. I thought Alabama would have to play a slower game against them. They played a slow first half. They played a faster second half. And they wound up, after 10 big minutes of Alabama basketball in the second half, reverted to their disastrous ways and fell as the number one overall seed in the tournament. And Miami was just too much for Houston, which just seemed to be missing something more than the Sasser injury. More than the Shed injury. Something just seemed not right for them after being so impressive. I mean, they didn't give up 80 points in a game this year. They gave up 80 points last night to Miami, which drubbed them from the perimeter and just dominated them with their guard play. So today belongs to Marcus Noel, the brilliant 5'8 point guard who will try to win his way at the Garden into the Final Four. And it belongs to the big men at UConn and Gonzaga. Timmy, who has had such a big career at Gonzaga and who had 36 points in the win over UCLA the other night, tries to extend his career one more game. He's won 120 games at Gonzaga in his career. He tries to win one more and get to a Final Four. And UConn, which has been so impressive and has the size and has the shooting and has just so much talent with Hawkins and Jackson and their inside players with Sonago and their other big men. They have a ton of talent and have been so impressive. We'll see what happens there. Both teams are slight favorites. Kansas State's a slight favorite, two points. UConn's a slight favorite, two points. will be fascinating to watch. I, I, you can't get enough of watching Noel play. I mean, you have to just love watching Noel play. He's, he's a sensational player and one of the great passers I've ever seen in college basketball. Instinctive, confident, daring. I mean, like I said, I have not since the days of Ernie DiGregorio, who was a sensation 
as a little man at Providence with his wonderful team coached by Dave Gavitt, Ernie DiGregorio, Marvin Barnes, Kevin Stakem, Kurt Vitus, Nehru King. I mean, just a terrific, terrific team that went to the Final Four. And Ernie D was a whirling dervish who was just a, a, an incredible passer. I never saw Kuzi in his prime. But I've ne- Pistol Pete could pass, but he was more the shooter. But I've never seen anyone as commanding in a college game with his passing as this kid. One of the really incredible passes. And the show he put on at the Garden the other night was absolutely unbelievable. If he goes to the Final Four, he will be a sensation. Nothing against Florida Atlantic, but we hope he gets there because he will put on a show. He is looking for that. He's going to put on a show at the Garden. He did the other night. He put on a show of shows in one of the great individual performances I've ever seen in the NCAA tournament. So that game at 6 o'clock today, the next game, you know, will be 30 minutes. Well, they'll start it about 20 minutes after the last game concludes. And it will be UConn and Gonzaga, a battle of heavyweights. Listen, they need no introduction. And a lot of people thought, Gonzaga, maybe this was going to be their year when people weren't paying as much attention to them. Let's see. They have been there. They have been to seven straight Sweet 16s. They've been knocking on the door year after year after year. Can they finally get there? Let's see. As we said, this week's going to be a very big week. We'll put four teams on the road to the Final Four uh, by tomorrow night. But also, baseball. You might not know it by the weather here in the East as you go outside this morning and it's windy and drizzling, but uh, baseball is now a few days away. And obviously all the conversation with the Yankees deals with one issue. Will they bring their young sensation up to start the season at shortstop? Volpe's done everything, everything that you can do. Power, speed, on base percentage, you name it. He's done everything you could want him to do and showed you. So it would be disappointing at this point. And I I don't think they will disappoint their fan base. I think Volpe will be at shortstop to start the season. I I don't see any reason why he shouldn't be. I think he has earned that. And uh, it's – listen, the Yankees have a glut on the infield. And they got some guys they need to – Jettison. They need to make room for LeMayu. They need to open some stuff up. And now, obviously, things change dramatically if they're going to give the everyday shortstop job to Volpe. It changes a lot of plans. But the bottom line is, it's the right move. And the Yankees should take their time, start the season with Glaber at second base, and then the move is probably to move him with the best deal you can. Somebody is going to take a shot. Somebody will give you something that you need for Glaber Torres. You know now the Yankees aren't going to pay him. 
And the bottom line is he's a good player. He's not maybe what everybody thought he was going to be, but he's a good player. And he's been good in the clutch. Maybe he hasn't been as consistent as you want, but so what? The Yankees would do anything to get rid of Donaldson. I don't see how they're going to do that except just to get rid of him. They need to open a regular spot for LeMayu. And obviously now they have to change their shortstop plans. So they have a lot of work to do on the infield in the next couple of days. And even into the season, their infield plans might not be complete. As the season starts, it might take them a little while. But one thing that should be done is Volpe should be in the opening day lineup when the season starts in a couple of days. He's earned that. And you know that when the Yankees have a guy that they want to put on that, they want to say, hey, we think this is the next Yankee. When you're going to qualify someone as the next Yankee, he has to be treated in a certain way. He has to be handled in a certain way. There's a certain lore that comes with that. And all the buzz around him is that way. There'll be, obviously, conversation that will be way over past where it should be. He'll be talked about in rarefied air that he shouldn't be. But that's just part of the deal. So far, he has done everything. And again, you know the adage, don't pay attention to what you see before May in baseball. And it's true. He might come up and go one for 40. We all know that's very possible and part of baseball. But we also know that this kid's got the talent to be a big-time player and to be here for a long time. And when you have that kind of prospect, it energizes any organization, even the Yankees. So it has to be handled correctly. And I think it will be. So we'll do some baseball this week. We'll obviously check in with some of our guys and get their thoughts. We'll do all that as we uh, count down the days to opening day. You have made it through the tough winter. You have made it through all that time. And you know what? New York sports has got an energy right now that it hasn't had in a long time. You have an owner in Queens that the fans believe in, who obviously has the deepest pockets imaginable. The Yankees are still the Yankees, and I understand it's been a long time, but you know what? They are always there doing what they always do, which means win and then try to see if they can win in October. There is a newfound optimism with the Knicks. The Giants have found their coach and they are starting to head back towards 
the promised land. And the Jets might be the biggest winners of all and might be the biggest team of all. So New York sports has gone through a very lean period. We all know it. It's been quite quite a while since things have looked up like they do right now. And that's very, very positive. And something to look forward to. Starting with this baseball season and what we can expect from both the Yankees and the Mets. So we'll have plenty of that. We still have some basketball to finish up. Enjoy your day. Thanks for listening to the Mike Francesa podcast on the Bet Rivers Network. Hey, it's Mike Miss here. What a time to be a Philly sports fan. And you can share the excitement with me each week on the Mike Missinelli podcast on the Bet Rivers Network. Listen and subscribe to the Mike Missinelli podcast today, wherever you get your podcasts. If you're a tennis fan, you'll love betting weekly game bet match on the Bet Rivers Network. Whether you're a better or just love tennis, you'll enjoy the in-depth analysis each week of the tennis calendar. Subscribe to game bet match today from your favorite podcast provider.